what I love is at, at the end of this work, once we unravel those patterns mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we land, really the work is just to land in mm. our true nature. Mm -hmm. And when you do that and when you unravel that, your voice mm. quality changes. It's mm. not just the metaphoric voice, right? I have a voice I deserve to speak right. or I have something to say. It's like your actual voice, the mm -hmm. tonality, the richness, mm. the safety, the way that um, others others respond to your voice with trust and mm. it's it's just the quality changes. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. My name is Keith Fiveson. On this show, I had the pleasure of speaking with Callie B. L. Waynes. She's the founder and the curator of Bold Invisible, a platform, a transformational platform, and a curated space for women whose mission depends on getting their ideas across with massive impact. Callie is a woman with incredible sincerity and impact. She's created this process, the Somatic Transformation Story Method, and it's a very powerful step-by-step -step process. It's applied in neuroscience and research around trauma, and somatic education, integral theory, as well as change leadership. We discussed trauma, the ability to find your voice, your own story, and Kelly has spent a decade leading the Calgary Regional Partnership, a dynamic consortium of cities and rural municipalities. Anyway, I totally enjoyed my conversation with Kelly. I was inspired and lifted up by it. Uh, and I look forward to more of her work to spread the word and truly change lives. I hope you enjoy the conversation and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 Callie B. L. Waynes. I am so privileged to have you here. What is going on, Callie? Hi, I'm what, What's up? Grateful to be here. So grateful to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. It's September, right? We're moving. We're, we're oh my uh, goodness, yeah, in a new uh -huh. time. Isn't it? Isn't it going on really quickly? I feel like uh, you know, suddenly September hits and everybody has their schedule full. It's sort of like okay, time to speed up. But you are uh, really you're doing some really incredible things, and I'm so privileged to have you here on the show. I'm so privileged to have you uh, talk about your work, which is really helping individuals to show up and to be present for all of the things that are going on in their lives, as well as perhaps some things that they might have buried a bit. Um, can you tell me, you know, what is bold in the bold invisible experience? What is that? And and more importantly, why, 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 why bold <laughs> invisible? Yeah, yeah, uh, Keith, I love the question why. Let's start with that one because mm -hmm. right now, um, I know that you know this and, and everyone listening probably feels this too, we're absolutely in new territory. Mm -hmm. Everything is changing, everything is shifting in the world around mm -hmm. us and there's never been a more important moment when we can step forward with our gifts and talents and the things that we're here to bring to life. We're here to shape the solutions going forward. And so Bold and Visible is a platform. I work mostly with women to help women step into their authentic self-expression and larger impact, to release the blocks holding them back from that larger thing, right? To take the larger risks because we are in a new time and we need their voice and their solutions. And there's a, a whole uplifting consciousness mm. 
opportunity mm. here. Opportunity. Mm. Yeah, and I'm, uh, listen, I am I am all for uh, women being empowered to go ahead and show up and speak up. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about that, you know, it, it's time, there's a shift. What What's underlying that? Why do you feel that there is a shift there? I mean, what is what is it, you know, that you're that you're trying to bring out? I mean, women have had a voice for a long time, right? right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that globally, like for everyone, men and women, there's a shift happening right now and feeling mm -hmm. and that, you know, as the old structures are falling away, mm. the outdated structures, mm -hmm. we're all being gifted with the opportunity to step onto the stage of our life and to give, give of ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's been a historical um, holding back of our voice and mm you know it's really we've all been acknowledging the structures and the um, uh, systems that are at play that have influenced us but where I'm finding and for myself in my own story in my life and why I do what I do mm -hmm. is that the biggest block is right here mm. you know it's, you mean it's inside your your in inside your inside of us mm -hmm. and and the freedom mm -hmm. and the safety to come forward with our gifts is right here too mm -hmm. so um, this is the space I work is with this place of where we take, we're able to take hundred percent responsibility for, mm -hmm. and res you know, responsibility really to give our gifts in the world. And mm -hmm. that requires us to take a look at ourselves with deep compassion, but also with deep courage to take that last little step that, you know, cause so many people I'm working with are, are incredibly brilliant, accomplished, um, mm -hmm. you know, deeply spiritual, deeply connected mm -hmm. people. And yet, still longing for something mm, mm. that's greater than they are right so this is yeah yeah you know i i, I love the fact that you're you're working primarily uh, with women uh, even though uh, men have uh, a real need specifically we had talked about this and we had a little bit of a conversation beforehand mm -hmm. about trauma right you know and uh if we start taking a look at ptsd and trauma women have the largest share of that without question men have it a lot of it is submerged and a lot of it comes out through the veterans administration like i work with vets so but women have systemic trauma i mean it's it's generational trauma and you know when i i i started out i said come on women have had a voice i was being a bit facetious about that because i definitely do believe that women have the power to heal they have the power to give birth they have the power to Go ahead and change the world and heal the world in a very big way so is that is that part of the ethos is that part of your 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 sort of why and you know and and how do you go about doing that with women how how do you how does that happen definitely it's definitely the foundation of the why for sure and mm -hmm. so well said you know um women do have a voice i know that sounds wrong in some ways when I say it, right? Because we have this cultural mm -hmm. notion that um, we we don't, mm -hmm. but actually it, it sits within mm -hmm. our body. Mm -hmm. And you're right, we have been unsafe for generations. It's epigenetic trauma that's in our body. It's, you know, intergenerational, it's cultural. But there's also a space now where we've come through so much already. The people, and, and I loved um, when we did our little meditation mm -hmm. uh, in advance of this because you connected us to um, all those generations that came before us and mm -hmm. all the support mm -hmm. we've had you know we've worked really hard to get a voice but 
the last place for us to work with is inside of those trauma patterns in our body. Mm. And it's, it's so interesting. We all have them, men and women, mm-hmm. small stressors, large stressors. And for me, it's really about building safety, somatic mm. safety, inner safety, not to stay safe, mm-hmm. but to mm-hmm. be able to take the risks to step out of that, out mm. of our comfort zone into the space where we're really being called, you know, we're, mm. we're being called to something larger. And it's mm. actually kind of painful to stay, you know, back in the contracted mm. space where we're almost fully given, right? Mm. Mm. And and it's so interesting because when men come out and to the work that I do in the world, mm-hmm. they're always asking, do you, you know, do you have this for men? We need it too. I think it's actually a human, it's a human condition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work with women though, because we have a specific form of lack of safety mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. stops us from really saying what we're here to right. say. And we often look outwards and blame the conditions around us without being able to look to the source lovingly mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, without blame. You're, you, you know, you're reminding me of a lot of the work uh, uh, that I do, uh, certainly from a mindfulness viewpoint, breathing and helping individuals to get in touch with their parts. You know, Dick Schwartz, uh, inter, you know, looking at IFS, uh, internal family systems, and understanding what the, the work he does is really around understanding the various parts of our psyche, of our personality, whether or not it's the protector, whether or not it's the firefighter, whether or not it's, you know, the, uh, the, the part of ourselves that has been exiled. You know, there are different parts of ourselves. And I'm wondering within the work that you're doing, because, you know, we, we came here uh to discuss mm-hmm. how do people you know bring together and start to befriend and invite into the discussion those various parts of themselves that might have been exiled or might have been that they're quieting down but you know it's it's really that powerful part of themselves and i find working with women that often they're they they become very mousy and they don't necessarily get in touch with that power you know i call it the kali energy that 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 powerful energy that's in charge of life and death you know and and is able to go ahead and bring that to the table so in the work that you do Mm -hmm. are you how do you you know i i understand you're doing some somatic work you're doing some 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 presence work How, how do you wind up doing some of that stuff Yeah, well, um, so my method is called the Somatic Transformational Story Method. And it really is an integrated, a fully integrative pathway where we really do start to identify, um, name, call that part of us really close to us, recognize inside of our body, as you just mentioned, how hard this part of us has been working to keep us safe and even recognizing its patterns and its reflexive ways it shows up in the world oftentimes as women um, you know we'll beat ourselves up for that instead we're we're starting to fall in love with and understand its its deep purpose its mm. wisdom all the gifts mm. it's given us but we also start to wake up to what it's doing in our body our breath our nervous system how it shows up in the world mm-hmm. and affects and not only how we perceive the world, but how the world responds to us. And so it's this, it is a befriending and a deep matria, hmm. a, a, a deep level of compassion to bring. So is there breathing in this process yeah. or, oh, or writing have, or what? Absolutely. what, what? So we work mostly with the body here. It's uh-huh. very experiential. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I literally have a set of floor work where we, 
we work with um, our full system, our nervous system, our spine, our breath. Hmm. Um, we use voice and movement inside of hmm. our work. I have a, a part of our work is in story. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a moment. But uh, we use voice coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, to really access the parts of our voice that have actually been stuck in a contraction in our nervous system. So mm-hmm. we need to unwind the body. Um, mm-hmm. We start with letting go of those, mm-hmm. you know, the wiring, the, the um, neurobiology and the, the, um, the mm-hmm. contractions that we're holding without even knowing it, right? Mm-hmm. It changes our posture. So yes, we, we work with a, a very specific somatic process, which includes breath, posture, mm-hmm. movement, work mm-hmm. on the floor, contemplative work that mm-hmm. goes with it to start noticing how in our life, mm-hmm. I, I talk about it like red light, green light in a very, you know, mm-hmm. in a big bucket. Mm-hmm. Force stress over extension mm-hmm. is in this sort of green light drive to always keep going or everything's gonna fall apart. Mm-hmm. Our endocrine system crashes, mm-hmm. right? We get exhausted and depleted and disconnected and many mm-hmm. of us, have a, a deep contraction, which is like a frozen, immobilized space inside right. of our nervous system and trauma patterns where we're not fully giving ourselves in the world. Or, or we're foot on the gas, foot on the brake, and never really moving right. forward. So it sounds like from the standpoint of trauma, I mean, when we're start, starting to talk about uh, Stephen Porges and uh, uh, polyvagal theory, as well as vagal tone, and really understanding the vagus nerve, you're using sound, you're using touch, you're using movement, you're using, and when you get to sound, are you sort of hitting the old overall range? You know, are you kind of exploring that in terms of like, where is that inside the body for the individual? Because, you know, I mean, trauma has different sounds, even, you know, childhood sounds may sound very different than, you know, like, Sub, sub, subsumed rage, right? You know? Yeah, we do a very deep uh, um, exploration of voice within the body. Mm. Uh, we're always pointing. Uh, so the something we do in our work is we always have a path to point us towards. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're working with, whatever the block is you're working with, we're going to find uh, what's hidden underneath that, where your voice is. Mm. Um, yeah, so we, uh, it's funny because uh, I just had a big stage event. It's, we have a transformational TED style stage for women mm-hmm. to get onto to, as a threshold. Well, your videos, by the way, your videos are outstanding. I mean, you know, and the, the work that I, 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 you know, I've done uh, some viewing. I haven't viewed all of your videos, but I've certainly seen what you do. And, you know, you're very, very, very talented. I mean, in terms of the people that are there and what you bring out, perhaps. But go ahead. I'm sorry. You yeah, just had an event. What, what Did you just bringing... have an event? You just had an event in July or? Correct. Yeah. The Bold and Visible right. Monologues is right. a, we were able for the first time in a few years, of course, to be on our live stage again and right. fill a theater Fantastic. for people. So, uh, but you back to what you were mentioning about mm-hmm. the voice and use use of the voice. Um, you know, we have the opportunity in my work to bring the women at the end of their program into a physical uh, embodied voice rehearsal and stage rehearsal. And so we we sound so uh, interesting and mm-hmm. strange that we we said we're gonna you know create a T-shirt that says "Bold and Visible." We're not a cult just because of the sounds that are coming out of the the rehearsal space are so um you know interesting but really what i love is at at the end of this work once we unravel those patterns Mm -hmm. and we land really the work is just to land in Mm. our true nature Mm -hmm. and when you do that and when you unravel that your voice Mm 
mm. quality changes. It's mm. not just the metaphoric voice, right? Mm -hmm. Of I have a voice I deserve to speak right. or I have something to say. It's like your actual voice, the mm -hmm. tonality, the richness, mm. the safety, the way that um, others others respond to your voice with trust and mm. it's it's just the quality changes. Mm. Mm. And is uh, is that uh, you think that's sort of like a kind of like a welcome home kind of, you know, kind of moment? Is that kind of 100%. it feels that way, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why we talk. I talk about it like a threshold. Mm. Many of us don't even know what our voice sounds like without mm. the force or contraction or needing something from the world or trying to protect ourselves. We just have never heard it. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. it and um, mm. in connection to it. Mm. So mm. interesting how relationships open up after that, because mm. when you're speaking from that center mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. who you are you're undeniable you just mm. you are who you are right so you know I, I i can't help but kind of go back to this whole idea of a patriarchal versus a matriarchal society and perhaps uh you know the epigenetic or the the you know uh, systemic uh yeah. um subjugation or putting down of of, of women into a position of you know, I mean, even I, 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 you're in Canada, right? And correct, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Uh, and uh, in the U.S., I mean, women still the Equal Rights Amendment has still not been ratified. We've got actually, you know, uh, uh, choice being moved back to where it was. I mean, there's a lot of things that really, I think, uh, help to uh, uh, put women in a in a in a little girl kind of way and i'm just wondering when you do your work with women or you do your work with men when you talk about finding their voice mm. often um, is it different for women than it might be for men is and and what does that i i know you one size doesn't fit all here yeah. but what does that voice sound like i mean is it is it a voice of power is it a voice of compassion oh, and softness question. and kindness I'm just wondering, is there, you know, in your view, often, what do you see? Oh, I love that question because this is where it applies into, into life, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in the boardroom or when you're, you know, out there trying to accomplish your, your work in the world or engage, mm -hmm. um, you know, when, you, and you're right, we've been so influenced and in, in so affected in our mm -hmm. body by all these larger systems, um, you know, but when we find our voice, it's neither forceful and demanding nor diminutive. It mm. takes up rightful space without um, repelling others or demanding anything. Mm. But because we are standing in such sovereignty and fullness, mm -hmm. it's compelling. Mm. It's absolutely influencing. Mm -hmm. Others listen to it because we're not it's not so, so I always say the work for me with women isn't about, I demand, I have the right to speak. It doesn't come from anger. Mm -hmm. It comes from a great center of awareness, love and compassion, but it takes a stand. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like inside of um, being fully aware of your birthright to mm -hmm. speak and be here mm -hmm. in spite of all the systems and all of the other stuff. We're not looking to, to have that, you know, to change that before we speak. Mm -hmm. And when we're safe, we can take this larger, and it's for men too. I would, I would say it's the same actually. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, you know, um, and men have a right to speak. The masculine needs to be here in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? We need the masculine. Right, for sure. We, I absolutely, you know, like, I, yes, I work mostly with women. That's because I, I'm a woman and I'm, and I'm deeply uh, aware of the specific issues. But, you know, to have a masculine voice that's, it takes up space without demeaning and forcing others, even in its tone and its presence. It includes, so, so a voice that's in sovereignty includes everyone, but doesn't exclude yourself for women, mm-hmm. often will exclude herself and include everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it, it's this um, uh, loop of awareness. It, it, it brings us all together. It's, uh, it's powerful, powerful. I really like, uh, you know, you've used, uh, Kelly, you've used the word sovereignty a couple of times, and it mm-hmm. reminds me of the work I do around, um, you know, uh, archetypal work. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, before we uh, had the chance to really have this time and talk, we talked about the hero's journey and the archetype, the life archetype. Um, and uh, I read in your bio that you were at one point, um, you were homeless. Mm. And you had, uh, as a younger woman, you had um, challenges that you had to deal with. And um, it sounded to me very much like that you've been on this hero's or heroine's journey. Mm -hmm. And in some way, it sounds to me like you're doing that work now. You're helping individuals to go on their own journey to reconfigure, to defrag, to reconfigure themselves and their stories uh, so that they have a real clear narrative in terms of who they are, where they are, and maybe where they want to go. Can you speak to that in terms of, you know, this area of sovereignty? Because I like that it, it brings in, uh, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring out another quote that you used recently, but I uh, not now, but you, it brings in the, the responsibility that people have for them for their stories and for their lives themselves, rather than trying to exile parts of themselves again. So can you right. talk to some of that stuff and including yeah. maybe how your own journey might have brought you to where you are? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. I'm so grateful for that journey, however painful at times it might have been. Um, you know, I, like you said, I was a, a young teenager. I was homeless on the street for four years because of my home that had mental health issues that's often what you'll see is predicated by young people being on the street um Hmm. i knew i had a purpose though you know i've always been that person that felt um i had something larger to do something to contribute and i had already been doing that as as a young person as a even as a kid but yeah inside of all that uh, breakdown you know it was a journey was a hero's journey really my heroine's journey to you know to pick up the the sword and make some choices, make choices and, and learn how to fundamentally uh, move forward in life and be present and forgive. And um, I do bring that into my work 100%. And when you're talking about uh, story and our responsibility and our ability to shift our narrative, for me, um, when you say that it's so rich because it's more than just the intellectual narrative or how we see ourselves, it's really like we have the ability to author a new story that releases old traumas, that frees us from embodied patterns of shame, blame, doubt that hold us back from all we can be, 
and, and that's, you know, it is an actual somatic story. Like I believe that, you know, our stories are showing up in our body every day through our life, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And so it is this deep recalibration and reintegration of who we really are. And that ends in a narrative shift, which is a, 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 a an intellectual and a, a um, you know, a, a change of our way we see ourselves, but it's also a, sh- a shift in our body and a relationship to our past. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, and you know, I, it, so reauthoring is more than just the, because we work on paper, right? Like we, we, at the end of the, we craft mm-hmm. and, but, but through the crafting of our story, we actually are releasing the old story from our body. So it no longer exists there. And yet that exiled part is with us and integrated into today's world and able to be, like you said earlier, um, Keith, that part that really liven, enlivens us. We haven't had that before. So I, I believe we can all author a new story. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I hear you saying is that by coming to terms with who, the what, the where, the when, the how, the why, the narrative, if you will, within the arc of our lives in terms of the past the present and the future but more more so from the past where a lot of the somatic a lot of that trauma really is embodied we're able to um, i think peter levine uh, or levine talks about it in terms of shake it off like you know why uh, you, you know be, being able to really shake off the trauma and and you're using yeah. the work, the body work and the somatic work to go ahead and help people to get that. And maybe from a psychodrama viewpoint, be able to go ahead and come to terms with what it was and provide some emotional literacy to it so that they can say, okay, I got that. That's, you know, I don't have to hold on to it anymore. I can release it. And then I can rewrite. I like that reauthor, rewrite the story in a way that really helps them to say, okay, the, yeah, yeah, that's now it's time to go ahead and be the whole person that I am accepting and whole rather than sort of fragmented and shameful. Beautiful. I, I love that, how you uh, summarize that. And, and I really feel like it's metabolizing, mm-hmm. metabolizing. And when you talk about being this whole person, it's finally we're safe to let the whole of ourselves be seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And and it's not uh, it's not forceful. It's not you know we're not apologizing for ourselves. It's just this natural, comfortable in our own skin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I use a physical stage as a mm-hmm. threshold. Multiple reasons, of course. Story has so many powerful reasons. The women that I work with end up using this story for their in their business. They use it. In their life and it serves others right because others listen from autobiographically they hear their own story and it's actually quite freeing um, mm-hmm. but when they get on stage and they share the story from the other side of mm-hmm. their trauma right it's never a trauma story that sh- sharing that mm-hmm. standing in it and letting mm-hmm. the, all of themselves be seen that mm-hmm. threshold just locks in it's like a mm-hmm a recalibrating of who they are. Right. It's turning the switch on and saying, okay, we're, we're on with this and I'm good with this. You know, I'm, I don't have to hide my light under the bush. This is, let's go ahead and use this as the power source to go ahead and shine out who we are. You know? Absolutely. And I mean, we're talking about a lot of the people who come through my work are already super accomplished people who actually get on stages, who run companies. They're not, it's not, you know, right. It's this last little bit, though, that a lot of us women have 
that we're holding back and I'm here to be all of myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. My, um, uh, my mom had uh, years ago uh, said that, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we plant gardens with manure. You know, we throw manure to go ahead and right. plant gardens, right. you know, so, so we've got to, we, we've got to make sure we have some rich manure and some good seeds to go ahead and, and then feed the seeds to go ahead and grow what it is that we want. But we can't, we can't hide that, right? You know, because then it comes out sideways, which is really, I think, part of the problem that we see in a lot of our society that, you know, it's either you're, you're, it's either black or white, right? You know, we don't, we, you know, you're either good or you're bad, you know, and we don't own or embody a lot of the imperfections that really make us human and uh you know we we want our leaders to be perfect you know and they're certainly not perfect and some are worse than not perfect but it's interesting though isn't it that you don't necessarily trust those that show up perfect right mm-hmm. like or as you know <clears throat> we have a human propensity to want to see some vulnerability to want to see some truth right and right. and perfection uh, doesn't doesn't compel anyone. No, no. It says there's nowhere to there's nowhere to meet them. I mean, you know, you there's nothing to hold on to to kind of say, okay, yeah, I see the cracks and crevices, but you know, uh, this is this is someone who's done work. This is someone who's really owned their stuff. You know, they own their, you know what? So right. they own their crap. Yeah, uh, their manure. <laughs> exactly. We talk a lot about, you know, turning our struggles or our manure or into right. art and, right. and living in a sense of wholeness where we're um, those shadow parts of us mm-hmm. are not shame. They're not they're not hidden. They're not stuck in us anymore. And we can talk about it in a way that's um, generative and right. helping others. So I want to ask you a question. Um, why, you, in one of your, in one of the uh, uh, articles that I read, you talked about compassion, mm-hmm. and you talked about agency. All right. Mm-hmm. So I want to get your sense in terms of why compassion and agency, and you say is the only way. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to that for a minute or two? Yeah, you bet. You bet. Um, we have to start by taking 100% responsibility for owning our voice, for making the changes we're making in our life. But what's the key to that is not going into a space of blame. We've been in blame for so many years. We've been in shame, hidden patterns of shame. And so in order to take responsibility to really step forward, we really need to cultivate a deep, deep awareness and a deep compassion for all those parts of us that have gone into those reflexive, unconscious reactions that are stress and trauma-based. So if we hope to take 100% responsibility and to step forward and not to be Mm -hmm. looking outward for the source, but to look inward, Mm. we can't take 100% responsibility without also marrying Mm. that with a deep sense of matri and self-compassion and understanding because we've been inside of these blame and shame patterns for way too long and that that's not going to work uh, we tend to want to look out at the culture and everywhere else for the source and the reasons and, and sure mm-hmm. that influences us but the place we can change is here and so mm-hmm. 
we can't we can't stand for ourselves and be willing to do the courageous work to look inward mm-hmm. and source the change from within if we don't do that with the deepest level of understanding and the deepest level of of matri for mm-hmm. who we are our suffering our challenges and what we've been through that's beautiful so really compassion in a number of ways allows us to look at from all sides whatever our story is whatever who the players are i mean in a lot of cases i think where people get caught up on is you know the victim versus the victor you know they get caught up in the victimhood of somehow uh their parents weren't perfect enough or their you know the situation somebody took advantage of me or you know whatever when and really all they were trying to do was survive right all they were trying to do was to go ahead and do the best that they possibly could, but then they get caught up in the shame blame game. And that's, uh, and I, I think to your point, the, the compassion and the agency allows them to really take a look at that in a caring, kind, compassionate way uh, and uh, maybe re-examine their story, right? Absolutely. I mean, I would not have been able to make it off the street as a young person. Most of my friends did not. Mm-hmm. Had I been looking outward, there were so many ways I could have blamed the system, my parents, the policing, the social working system. The, the, I fell through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have held that in my body my whole life. Right. Um, but somehow I, I knew it was within, you know, I had to take the steps and uh, and and also understand the complexity of anything, everything and forgive those people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's that, that's big because uh, it really then brings you into the moment in terms of what can you do and how can you take charge? How can you be the change you wish to see in the world? Right. So uh, I know we're coming off to the end of our time here and I, I, I want to be mindful of that. Uh, and I do have one other question that I want to bring towards the end here. It may not be the best question to end with, or uh, but I, I think it's a mindful question. And maybe if you can talk about it in terms of uh, mindful experience or what uh, maybe what mindfulness might have to do with it, I think that that might be important. One of the things that I read that you mentioned uh, and uh, you had uh, uh, talked about this is the whole idea of the importance of near-death experiences uh, or NDEs as they're they're called Um, and I want to understand that because you know I'm a two-time cancer survivor and I've certainly have uh, had that moment where you know you think about death and you think about why am I here and so on and so forth so there are these wake-up moments where maybe someone uh, around you has died or someone near you and dear to you but tell me why did you put that in there and why is that important to you and how is that you know how does that play in terms of us maybe showing up in a mindful way oh i love that question <laughs> um uh if you hear my story you'll hear that i had um some serious effects uh, i had a double lung surgery it's when I was on the street, I was so in so much stress that my lungs were collapsing. Um, so I actually had the gift, the great gift of having several near-death experiences. And inside of those experiences of 
you've truly, truly going into the luminous space mm. where, you know, Callie wasn't Callie with a name and a personality, but I had this unboundness about me where there was a sense of a knower, mm -hmm. very dispersed back in the background, who was part of everything, Keith, from the beginning of beginning of the beginnings to the, to the end of the end. It was like um, this deep field of love. Mm -hmm. and safety and fundamental you know you there's so many names for it the groundless space mm -hmm. and this just brought to me the reality that our true nature and what we're connected to who we really are mm -hmm. is connected to love mm -hmm. it's and you know, when you come back from something like that and we're taking all our, all this stuff in the world and mm -hmm. our life so seriously and we go into survival patterns and it, I can just breathe in and breathe into the connection to life and realize mm -hmm. life is actually here to support me. Mm. Um, it's this letting go of the attachment to everything being perfect, mm -hmm. letting go of attachment to this idea of myself as Callie in a certain way. It's helped me to mm -hmm. open up a lot more spaciousness and love and, and rest. Mm. You know, inside of that cycle of survival all the time. Um, and just this hopefulness, um, just a beautiful mm -hmm. hopefulness that all of us, every one of us on this planet mm -hmm. is connected to that field. We are mm -hmm. that. Um, mm -hmm. it, there really isn't any language to describe it. And, and in fact, there was no language in the space that I, you know, mm -hmm. I was being brought back by paramedics. <laughs> and, right. you know, uh, when... But there's no language to describe it and there is no language there. It's just this beingness that we all are and to have touched that is profoundly, it's a profound mm. gift for me and mm. I would never change having had those experiences. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's beautiful. And, you know, we're so spoiled in a lot of the Western world in terms of not having to forage or hunt or, you know, deal with our day-to-day -day survival uh, instincts. And uh, I was uh, reading recently uh, that uh, a Harvard study really showed that uh, uh, looking at only having one meal a day activates this part of our, you know, longevity uh, that really allows us to live longer, you know, so it's actually, you know, being able to, and it's sort of, you know, it's not starving ourselves, but being able to go ahead and fast, uh, you know, intermittent fasting. And this whole idea of just having this sense of life is not, you know, life isn't forever. And, you know, what am I going to do today? And how am I, how am I going to be my best self now, you know, in this sacred moment, in this time that we have? And it sounds like you got that gift, uh, certainly during that period of time, and you've held on to it as a part of your true nature rather than a part of the ego or part of this you know artifice of what you do or how much you make or whatever you know mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's a true gift and mm. um mm -hmm. i'm practice and i continue to practice the bardo teachings in mm -hmm. the tibetan monastic tradition just because this awareness is so important um mm. mm -hmm. and the connection to the preciousness of this moment but also this larger Mm -hmm. larger life that we we're just not awake to oh Callie we're gonna have to have another we're gonna have to have another show talking about the Bardo, oh, the Bardo. talking about the, the 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 liminal realms of yes. uh, passage between one sphere of existence to another and the reincarnation or the re 
uh, ignite, reigniting a sense of our passion and our life for the world. So that's a that's going to be a whole other discussion. And I guess that just is to say that that's the felt sense of the work that I'm inside of that I bring to these women and their stories is they're mm. in this liminal. We work a lot with liminal space and we work a lot in Bardo space of becoming mm. Uh, mm. and also letting go but not having attachments to those old things. So mm. I'd love a deeper discussion about the Bardo in the context of also what you've been through in your life, Keith. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Callie. So this has been uh, really uh, such a pleasure. I can't believe that we're time has just sort of zoomed by and uh it's been a lovely discussion with you is there uh how do people get a hold of you and uh, uh how do they sort of do the work uh with you uh, how do they reach you if you will uh what what what's the best way to go about doing that the uh, best way is to go through you know you can go to my website it's bold and visible dot com mm -hmm. um there's uh right now i have um i'm actually curating my mm -hmm. um 2022 cohorts so you'll see there you can go and look at the program and we're just about it's very it's very carefully curated because we want to make sure everyone's ready to be in the process um mm -hmm. i also have a a workshop and story performance happening on october 9th if you go to mm -hmm. the website there's a link you can um mm -hmm. register for free to come and mm -hmm. join us Beautiful. So Callie B. L. Waynes on LinkedIn, on the website, boldinvisible.com. And again, uh, it's just such a magical uh, opportunity to talk to you. I feel like there's so much more that we can explore. And we've really just hit the tip of the iceberg here. So thank you for opening it up and creating the space. And, you know, I, I, I really look forward to having more discussions. Thank you. Thanks so much, Kate. It's such a pleasure to be with you in your presence. Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the interesting conversation and the insights from Callie B. L. Waynes. I hope she also gave you some insights on how to be bold and visible in this world and how to bring mindfulness experience into your life. As you look at your story, change your story and you'll change the world. Visit Callie at boldinvisible.com. We have other exciting guests coming up on the future. So follow the podcast, connect with us, leave us a review and suggest topics that you'd like to hear. Connect with me, please, on social media or visit my website, workmindfulness.com. Thank you again. See you on the next show. Take care. Bye-bye.